Welcome to the Denver Gazette Sports Podcast. I am your host, Chris Schmedeke, and today we are brought to you by Applewood Plumbing, Heating, and Electric. They have been serving Denver homeowners for 50 years. They are a proud sponsor of the Colorado Avalanche, and they are also a proud sponsor of this podcast. And today I am joined by Tyler King in person to talk about college, the college football weekend ahead. Tyler, how are you? I'm doing well, Chris. How are you? I'm doing really well. Um, you know, we kind of had a slower week. Uh, no buffs kind of makes the week a little slower, but but yeah. they're back on the field this Saturday. And we've also got CSU Air Force, so it's definitely a busy weekend ahead. Yeah, definitely some, you know, after taking – I got the chance to take some time off this past weekend and not have a game to cover for the first time all season, so nice to get a little bit of rest. Um, but, yeah, I'm looking forward to going to L.A. this weekend for the UCLA game. But, yeah, I also have my eyes on that um, – CC Air Force game, which should be pretty interesting. And we'll also be in 20-degree weather. I just looked at the weather. So we've got that going. But all right, well, let's talk about CU first because even though they were off, it wasn't quiet as uh, <laughs> SNL decided to parody Coach Sanders, and he talked about that. What did he say the other day? Yeah, he just kind of brushed it off saying, you know, Keenan did a good job. Um, he's a fan. Um, you know, obviously no ill will about kind of them taking some, some subtle shots at CU being 4-3 and three and whatnot. Um, it, was, it was quite comical, so kind of – no, nothing really, you know, outrageous, you know, by prime. You know, there was a little bit of, I don't know if backlash is the right word, but when they were named that, that primetime game against UCLA and not wa- – I mean, Washington's playing Stanford, so I understand why that game's not there. I'm not sure when is uh, – because we also have Utah – oh, well, Fox has Oregon-Utah, so I guess that makes sense. Yeah. But is it becoming a little overdone now? Um, I don't think so, just because people still watch. Like, yeah. CU is still by far the most watched team in America this season, and it's really not close. Like, the closest teams are teams that they've played. Right. Um, played, against, played in games against them. I mean, um, you know, they've had only one game that wasn't on national television this year. Um, that was the Arizona State game. That was on the Pac-12 network. Every other game has been on Fox, the Big Noon, um, or ESPN, or ABC, what this week is going to be on ABC. I mean, even the CSU, I think the CSU game was actually their most watched of the season, I think it ended up being, has been so far. What, the span of two days? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and that was a 10 p.m. Eastern time kickoff. So, like, yeah. the fact that p- there were so many eyes on that game should tell you how much interest is on Dion in this program. So I'm not overly surprised. This might be the last one um, on national television, or at least like, you know, in like a prime time slot going forward. We'll see what it looks like. Well, they do have, they have a game against uh, Oregon state next weekend. That's on ESPN. That's at that 8 PM kickoff here in the mountain time zone. Um, But we'll see what, you know, Arizona looks like. And then they have a Friday night game. um, That's like an eight 30 kickoff, but we'll see what the rest of it looks like. Well, Dion loves those late starts. Um, yeah. So let's talk a little bit about so this bye week. What, do you think it was probably a good thing after that bad Stanford loss? Um, they were kind of as much as they're out of the limelight, but um, they were at the ring ceremony yesterday. But um, do you think it was a good time for this bye week after that loss? I think I think so. Um, I think they needed to kind of get some to get to refresh and get away. Maybe if they had won that Stanford game, maybe you would say no. But just kind of the way that Stanford game ended, it was probably good for everybody to. I mean, they rebounded with like three really tough days of practice, and then they kind of let they had to give the players like four days off um, at the end of last week, and they got back on Sunday, um, practice Sunday, Monday, had off yesterday, Tuesday, and today Wednesday they were back on the practice field. Um, yeah, I think they kind of needed when you suffer a historic loss like that. Obviously, we've talked about that was the the biggest comeback allowed in program history. You, you kind of need to flush it and move on, and maybe having some days off is a good way to do that because. 
Um, I, that's one of the things I'll be interested to see this week is how they respond after you know the Stanford game because we've talked about it. I mean, you can't lose a game. You just simply can't lose a game like that when you're up 29 nothing at halftime. So, and you know, UCLA is obviously a much much better team. So we'll see how they respond. But you know, that's got to be a big thing if they if they come out sluggish and slow in the first half, like they have many times, they didn't against Stanford, ironically, but they have many times had slow starts in the first half. And if they don't, um, if they come out slow against UCLA, I think, you know, things could get away from them pretty quickly. So let's talk a little bit about UCLA. They are ranked 23rd in the country, uh, five and two, uh, two and two in the Pac-12. They are 17 point favorites. So it kind of shows that the buffs have kind of fallen back a little bit. And you had an interesting tidbit in one of your stories that Chip Kelly's been there as long as he's been in Oregon. That's amazing. Yeah, he's actually been a head coach. This is his longest stint as a head coach anywhere. Um, he's This is his sixth season at UCLA. Um, he was the head coach at Oregon for four years and was the offensive coordinator for two. Um, it's not his longest stint at, at any one place because he was at New Hampshire for a long time as an assistant. Right. Um, he had a couple different stints there. Um, obviously, he played there. He's from there. Um, you know, that's what he's kind of most – Although Oregon is still what he's probably most known for, New Hampshire is still where his roots are. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of crazy. He's been there for six years now. Um, they have yet to win a bowl game under Chip Kelly. They had they were in the Holiday Bowl two years ago, and that got canceled due to COVID stuff. Um, and last year they lost the Sun Bowl. They went nine and three in the regular season. They were a pretty good team last year. Yeah, you know, Dorian Thompson Robinson was a veteran quarterback. They, I mean, they beat the brakes off CU at Folsom Field yes. last year. Um, that was a good team, but they lost. You know, the Sun Bowl, the Pit. I think they, I think there was a comeback in that game, if I remember. Um, but yeah, yet to win a bowl game. But you know, it's a very different UCL or Chip Kelly team this time around that the Buffs will be facing for sure. So UCLA, you know, their two losses they lost at Utah which understandable. Then they lost at Oregon State. So they've lost the top-tier teams yeah. in the Pac-12. But what? Uh, first of all, who's playing quarterback for them? Um, I imagine Ethan Garbers will get okay. the start, the former Washington transfer who was the backup to DTR the last two seasons. He actually got in that blowout last right. year at, at CU um, and threw a couple passes. But I think he'll get the start. He started last week against Stanford. Um, Dante Moore, the five-star freshman, you know, top five player in the country um, from this previous recruiting class. He... Garber got the start in week one, and Moore came in at the end of the game, and then he was the starter for the next five games. Um, Moore played well in his first start, but then his three starts in Pac-12 play, he had seven interceptions to three oh. touchdowns. So um, you're starting to see those freshman struggles, making mistakes that they that were pretty killer for them um, in some games. So they went to Garber's last week, and Moore was banged up a little bit at the beginning of the week. I don't think he was... Um, practicing too much last week he did by the end of the week was healthy they said and he played at the end of that blowout they had win at stanford um so i imagine it'll be ethan garbers um maybe you'll see more if this game gets out of hand a little bit um and then you know they have they've listed as three co-starters but i think i think you'll see garbers as the starter so what what do you expect from this ucla team you know people have kind of a thought about chip kelly on what his offense is but what is this offense it's kind of a – it's really – like I said, it's not the typical Chip Kelly right. team. You remember from the Oregon days with Marcus Mariota and guys like that. Um, they're going to run the ball a lot. They have this guy Carson Steele, a Ball State transfer. Um, he kind of looks like he's from Los Angeles. He's got like the long blonde hair. <laughs> um, but he's actually from Indiana. He, Like I said, he played at Ball State for a couple years. He's been really productive for them. He's got just under 600 yards, six touchdowns. Um, he's So he's a really good running back. And like I said, with – they kind of need 
the quarterback play to just kind of be like a game manager. They're not looking for – they don't really need that elite quarterback play right now. They have one really good receiver in J. Michael Sturdivant, who was a Cal transfer, who I think is a really good player. Um, hasn't quite got going to the level I thought he might this year. But, I mean, this UCLA team is built off of its defense. It is a really good uh, front seven, particularly the front four. Layatu Latu is um, – one of the best defensive ends in the country. Um, I think he's second in the Pac-12 in sacks right now. This UCLA defense on the whole has statistically the best defense in the Pac-12 right now by far. Um, you know, they're allowing the fewest yards, points per game, even better than that Utah team that they lost to. Um, so they're going to rely on defense uh, to, to, to against the CU offense that has shown the ability for spurts in games to be really explosive. Um, obviously they have had their fair share of struggles at times too, but you know, they'll try to control the clock with the running game. It's, it's definitely not the chip Kelly team. People right. are going to remember. So how's the buffs defense going to hold up against that running attack? I, that's the big question. They yeah. have looked better. They have been better. They yeah. have been better ish against the run, <laughs> uh, the last couple weeks. I think their, their best game was obviously against Arizona state. They, yeah. they did a really good job controlling the run in that one. Although, you know, Arizona state and Stanford did have plenty of success in the passing game. So I think CU is going to want to make UCLA throw the ball with with Garbers and see if he can beat them. Um, I don't I don't know if how that well it's going to work. I think if CU is going to have any chance this game, it's going to be because they're they're able to overcome UCLA's defense and, and put up the points and put together a complete performance. One for the offense that we haven't seen since TCU. They've put together halves. You know, they the second half against. Nebraska. They had the second half against uh, USC. They had the first half against Stanford. If they can put together a complete performance, I think that on offense, at least that's the best recipe for success. And if maybe if they can force Garbers or if Moore comes in to forcing some turnovers, I think that's that's the really only chance of keeping this one close. Because the UCLA team on paper is a lot more talented. Yeah, they have won, you know, twice on the road, which the buffs have yeah so i mean that that's but but that's a tall task it also might there. be close to 50 50 buffs fans Cali- the, they show out in california the, so, so the game there's a couple you know factors here so the game is sold out and i think they're like taking away the tarps away as well um so that's going to be as full as it can kind of get at the rose bowl there which you don't really see for ucla games a lot um i remember when c was there like two years ago the stadium was like pretty empty yeah um but and I think, obviously, with this being the last trip to L.A. for the foreseeable future, we really don't know. Maybe there'll be a non-conference game against USC or UCLA in the coming years. Maybe. maybe. We don't know. Um, that's to be determined. But, obviously, there's a big contingent of CU alums in L.A., so I do think um, there will be plenty of people rooting for CU, whether it is true diehard CU fans or just people in the L.A. area that are interested in in, in the Deion Sanders show. <laughs> yeah. Which So I do think... Um, it'll be pretty close to 50-50 people rooting for UCLA CU, so it should be a pretty decent, uh, pretty decent crowd on on Saturday afternoon there. All right, so let's uh, we'll do predictions at the end like normal, but let's yeah. flip over to the Pac-12 just in general. Um, probably the game of Saturday is Oregon Utah. It's probably the best yeah. game on the schedule. You know, both two teams fighting to play Washington. Let's be honest in the Pac-12 title game, uh, and then you know the rest of the schedule is kind of you know. Like I said, Washington plays Stanford. Um, Washington State's really fallen off recently. Uh, yeah. Oregon State's got Arizona, who 
That could be a good, that could be a good game. game. Yeah, yeah. Oregon State's only a three and a half point favorite in that game, despite you know Oregon State yeah. has been pretty good this year. And U- USC is at Cal. I don't know even know what to think about USC anymore. But well, what do you see in Oregon and Utah? Yeah, that's in Salt Lake. So yeah, that definitely is the game of the week in the national schedule as well. Obviously, um, you mentioned two six and one teams. They, I think they are pretty clearly battling for that second spot in the Pac-12 title game. Like you mentioned, I think Washington has solidified itself. They had a close win uh, last week against Arizona State. It was maybe a little closer than people expected, but um, fifteen or- to seven. Yeah, it wow. was. A, yeah, it was a tight one. Oregon and Utah. I think um, definitely. It should be an interesting game. Utah obviously goes on the road and beats USC last year. Former CU kicker Cole Becker yes. has the game winner. <laughs> that, the, that was the night game, kind of the night, the wrap to Saturday night. Yep. Um, so there's that storyline there as well. Um, Oregon, you know, kind of bouncing back. Uh, they bounced back pretty well from the loss at the close loss at Washington. Um, they beat Washington State last week. Um, so that'll be an interesting game. Oregon is about a touchdown favorite, and I think a lot of that has to do with Utah. Um, I think Kyle Whittingham said earlier this week that Cam Rising is not going to play this right. season, which is just a bummer for him. Obviously, he tears his ACL at the end of last season. There's a chance that you know they're, they're expecting him to come back and play this year for his last year of eligibility, um, but just could never get healthy this year. And now, obviously, Utah's had its fair share of offensive struggles. They've won it. Defend. They've won a lot of games on the strength of their defense. Something they did last week against USC as well. Um, maybe they could pull it off against Oregon. I just. I think we're destined for a Washington-Oregon rematch in I the Pac-12 so championship game. As much as I think or- I picked Oregon State as a dark horse Pac-12 title contender, I don't think they're going to get there at the end of the day. I do think Oregon State might be the third best team, but I do think we're headed to, to UW-Oregon in the Pac-12 title game, which would be a fascinating and awesome rematch to watch. So I just pulled up Washington's schedule just to take a look. Um, like, yeah, like I said, they're at Stanford this week. They go to USC. Again, who knows? Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I just I have no idea what to think with this team. There's, I think this could get away from Lincoln Riley pretty quickly yeah. in year two. Um, Caleb Williams has not played that well the last two weeks, which has been stunning. But I mean, it's just the defense has been has been even worse than it was last year when it was still a big issue. Well, we saw that against CU. How CU put up forty one or whatever it was and came back on yeah. it. Was that right? Yeah. So, but and, you know, Washington also. Well, they get Utah at home. They go to Oregon State, and then they have the Apple Cup at the end of the year. Yeah. So, I mean. They're probably going to be undefeated, but seeing them only win fifteen to seven, they, they could lose. They could lose at Oregon State. I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. But even if they're a one-loss team, um, and Oregon State loses to Oregon, you know, Oregon and Washington will probably be the one-loss teams in the Pac-12. But does that keep them out of the CFP though? Um, no, I don't. Because if they win the Pac-12, I think the, if Oregon and Washington both end up one-loss and in the Pac-12 title game, I think the winner of that game deserves to be at least deserves to be in the in the CFP because. We've talked about how good the Pac-12 yeah. is this whole season. Like, I think it is the deepest and most talented conference in college football. Uh, it's, we've talked about how there's a ton of irony in that it is the last real yeah. season of the Pac-12 and that it is this good. But I do think Washington and Oregon could be – Washington could be undefeated or one loss. Oregon should be one loss pro- – will probably be one loss team. And they'll meet in the Pac-12 title game, and the winner, I think, deserves a shot in the playoff. All right, so let's flip gears over to the Mountain West and CSU and Air Force, who match up this week in Fort Collins. Yep. First of all, tough loss for CSU in Vegas last week. Yeah, weekend. that was that was a heartbreaker. Um, obviously, I wasn't there, but I was paying attention to it. Um, you know, Jordan, Jordan Noyes kicks that 55-yarder um, with about like a minute and a half to go, and you're thinking, what, with kind of the struggles that both teams have had offensively, you're thinking, uh, wow, they're going to pull off a pretty impressive win against the UNLV, UNLV team that only had one, still only has one loss. 
Um, but UNLV drives right down the field and kicks the, the game winner at um, at the buzzer. And that was the sixth field goal made yeah. in the game. I mean, you really you give up one touchdown as a defense like CSU did. You kind of expect to win the game. But they gave up six field. It's crazy. They gave up. It was like, Ben, don't break. But they broke just a little yeah. too much at the end there. Um, losing 25-23. I think um, every week you, you start to see a little bit more from Brayden Fowler, Nicolosi, that freshman quarterback. This week we'll get into it. It's gonna, obviously going to be a very, very big test for him. Something I'm going to be writing about um, f- previewing the game. Um, Down Holker continues to be a really big weapon for them offensively. He might be in the running for the, the Mackey Award. They got the running game going for the first time all season against UNLV, and and maybe that's a sign of things to come. Maybe not this week against the really good Air Force defense, but um, you really would have liked to see. That could have been a – obviously the win against Boise was the breakthrough, I feel like, but it would have been so big for that program to get to 4-3. and three, um, And at that point, if they're 4-3, and three, they're sitting pretty in terms of uh, – getting to bowl eligibility, getting to six wins. I still think they could get there in their last three games of the year, um, but that would have been a really big win. Just just a heartbreaker. I mean, Jay Norvell has talked about how they expected to be in a lot of close games this season, and it's just about getting over the hump. I think there still needs to be a little bit of patience um, up there in Fort Collins because it's going to be a lo- it, it's not going to be a quick rebuild despite kind of the signs they've showed this year on offense. Um, but yeah, just kind of a, a heartbreaker, and it would have been a lot of momentum going into Air Force this week. Yep. So uh, Air Force does go up to Fort Collins. That's a 5 p.m. kick, and Air Force still seven and zero, ranked nineteenth in the country. Yep. Just won a slugfest with Navy yes. over the weekend, and you know Air Force is just you know like they have a different style, and CSU will have to deal with. With that, and it's like nothing other teams see, and that's one of Air Force's greatest, you know, ability to win. Yeah, and CSU has talked about how the fact that they prepare in, in the preseason, they start preparing in the preseason, doing a little bit of prep against this. I mean, it, it is so hard to prepare for a team like this in just one week, just with the different yeah. the, the style, and it's something that comes up every time um, CSU plays Air Force or any team plays Air Force. The the constant questions, you know, how do you use how important is it to get off the field, kind of maximizing your limited opportunities offensively? Just because, I mean, Jay Norvell said this earlier this week, they usually get anywhere between, like, around 16 to 18 offensive possessions a game. This week they might get eight. Like, it's just, like, your offensive opportunities are just cut in half. And when you have a young quarterback, um, there's just so much pressure to maximize and and, and not even just score, but not go three and out. Keep your defense fresh. um, Get them a little bit of rest because this Air Force offense will wear you down. I mean, defensively, you have to not get frustrated, too, because Air Force is going to pick up a couple first downs. Um, the, the key is playing on their side of the field, getting some stops behind the line of scrimmage, things like that. Um, that that's always the key for to stopping this Air Force team and getting a chance at winning, having a chance at winning. Um, you mentioned last week Air Force had that slugfest against Navy um, that was a really close I mean, Air Force couldn't do much offensively, but their their defense was just smothering Navy. Yeah. I mean, that that was an early game that I was paying attention to. Navy just had no shot to move the ball against Air Force. So we'll see if CSU, with the passing game, can string some drives together. Um, I remember last year the game at the academy, CSU gets the ball first, picks up one first down, but then punts. And they don't get the ball back until like two and a half minutes left right. in the first quarter. Air Force goes 15 plays, 80 yards for like 12 minutes, and that was... And that was kind of the game already. That's early in the game. So two big games in the Mountain West this week. Wyoming is going to Boise State and then UNLV and Fresno State. Yeah, Wyoming, that's a big game for them, obviously. I think 
Boise has has really not looked like the team that we all expected. They were picked to win the conference. Um, they, they had a bye this past week after the CSU loss, but they're sitting at three and four. It's a big game for both teams. I think if Wyoming feels like they have an outside shot or maybe even a decent shot of making the Mountain West title game against a team like Air Force or Fresno or even UNLV, um, they have to win this week at Boise. That's gonna they they're gonna have to break through and get that win. Um, but yeah, like you mentioned, there's the other big game is Fresno State and UNLV. That game is in Fresno. Um, I don't I don't know how much I trust this UNLV team. They, obviously, their record is very good. They're they've been in, it's impressive what they've done there um, in year one under Barry Odom. But I, I just think this Fresno team is a little bit too talented right now, and maybe this might be the start of UNLV just falling off a little bit because they have at Fresno, then they play New Mexico, but then they end the year with Wyoming, Air Force, and San Jose State, and those are going to be some big games for... Um, it looks like Fresno or Air Force is going to be one of the two teams in the Mountain West, and maybe it could be both those teams, um, but in Wyoming might have an outside shot, but you know, I, I still think Fresno might be the team to beat outside Air Force in the Mountain West right now, so I, I would feel pretty good about Fresno State Holt winning against UNLV this week and kind of Taking that firm grass. All right, right. Uh, before we do predictions, let's look at the national schedule. Not much this week. No. Kind of a, a weaker schedule. Uh, Georgia, Florida is always a big deal because they play it in Jacksonville. But I, Georgia's probably head and shoulders better than. I mean, pretty good. Uh, BYU goes to Texas. That's not bad. Uh, only game between two ranked teams besides our Pac-12 game is. Is Duke and Louisville. Duke had Florida State on the ropes last week yeah. until Riley Leonard got hurt again. Yeah, I thought they were going to win that game. I really did. That I mean, Florida State was. Really struggling offensively in the first half. Um, and Duke was able to jump out to the lead, like you mentioned. Um, Riley Leonard played, but then got hurt again. Um, I thought that might be the breaking point for, for Florida State this year, but you know they're still chugging along. Um, I kind of like the Oklahoma-Kansas yep. game. I think that yeah. could be a potential trap game for an Oklahoma team that is still 7-0 right now, 4-0, obviously 4-0 in the Big 12. So Took everything they had to beat UCF. Yeah, it did. That was a, that was a close game. So um, this could they're a ten point favorite, but it could be somewhat of a trap game um, in Lawrence. I think Kansas hasn't had the same storylines that they did last year when they jumped out to that five and zero start. But they they could give Oklahoma a scare this week for sure. And um, I think Oklahoma can afford to drop one game in the regular season now that they've beat they beat Texas a couple weeks ago um, and still get to the Big Twelve title game. And and obviously, I think. Everyone's kind of expecting an Oklahoma-Texas rematch in the Big 12 title game, and the winner could get to the, the CFP, depending on what that looks like at that time. But, um, yeah, Oklahoma-Kansas could be a good one. Yeah, the, the but overall, the national slate um, just is not that is not that intriguing this week. No, it's it's rough. All right, so let's do predictions. Uh, let's go CU first. CU-UCLA, what do you got? Um, I'll take UCLA. I think they are going to be able to control the clock, and I think CU is going to struggle offensively. Um, I just think that UCLA defense is, is really, really good. It's a it's a tough matchup. Um, CU is going to play a couple really, really good defenses down the stretch, starting this week with UCLA, Oregon State next week, um, and then Utah to end the year. Um, and they just haven't well, – these physical defenses have given them trouble. They haven't played many they of them. They can block. <laughs> uh, yeah. They, um, they, they, Oregon was the only physical defense they've really played so far this year, and obviously we saw how that game went. Um, so I'll take UCLA. Probably I'll say I'll say thirty-eight to to seventeen. I'll take UCLA. I think I think UCLA will cover in this one. All right. Yeah, I kind of agree with you. I'll go UCLA forty-two, CU twenty-four. So they, yeah, UCLA will cover. Um, yeah, I, 
if they're if UCLA is as physical as up front as they've shown, like yeah. Shador is going to be on the run again, and it's just going to get. I think it's just going to get tough. And you know, like like you said earlier, they, they haven't had a complete game since TCU. Really, I mean, <laughs> that seems to be common in football here in town. But um, all right, let's move over to CSU Air Force, which, which I'm actually pretty excited about. Yeah, I hope it's a good game. I'm a little skeptical. I, yeah. I, I don't know if this Rams team is ready yet to go to win a game like this against Air Force. This Air Force team is really good. Um, I think Air Force quarterback Zach Larrier is the difference in the game. Um, this Air Force offense has been able to run over CSU in the last couple of years. I think Air Force is on a six-game winning streak against CSU. But um, And I kind of wrote about Larrier today and kind of the problems he presents for CSU. I just don't think this CSU team is quite talented enough defensively to be able to get the stops they need. So I'll take Air Force twenty-eight to seventeen, so a slight cover for CSU. <laughs> They're twelve. Air Force is a twelve and a half yeah. point favorite, so I'll take twenty-eight seventeen Air Force. Yeah, I agree. I think Air Force moves to eight and zero. I think they're just. I don't know where they slip up. We've talked about that. Yeah. Before, but they don't I, play Fresno. They don't play. Fresno. They already beat Wyoming. They already beat Wyoming. Um, you know, I mean, maybe... And at Boise at the end of the year is not looking nearly as tough of a game as we good, thought. Was No, they, they haven't played Army yet. That's next week. That's, that's at Mile High. Oh, that's at Mile High. That's yeah, right. I'll actually that's, be at that game, that's too. Here. That's yeah. true. I mean, maybe that could be a slip-up just because of the emotion, but I don't see it. So, yeah, I think Air Force wins. They they cover. Um, and they move to 8-0, and who knows? I mean, that could send them to the top 15, depending on what happens I, behind them. They might be headed toward a, a New Year's. I think they really are headed toward They New really Year's are, like Fiesta Bowl or something. Yeah, they could be going to the Fiesta Bowl because um, I don't know if the, I don't think the Fiesta is a playoff game this year. I, I know the Rose Bowl is. I don't think. I don't. I no, think the Fiesta, a, um, no, the Fiesta Bowl's not, I don't believe. Yeah, so they could be headed to, toward the Fiesta Bowl. And right now they are the highest-ranked group of five team ahead of Tulane. Um, I think those are the only two group of five yeah. teams ranked in the top twenty-five right now. Oh, so. James Madison is Did, twenty-five. Good for James Madison. That <laughs> seven and zero, four and zero. They belt, still baby. can't. They still can't play in the Sun Belt title game because of those weird rules. It's their second year. Oh, yeah, it, that's right. It's their second year in the FBS, uh-huh. and they're not allowed to. But it, I've heard a lot of people saying, "Why? What if? What would the NCAA do if the Sun Belt just put James Madison in the title game like they deserve?" Um, but that would that is fun for for Jim for JMU to to be up there, but. Um, Air Force right now is looking like the best group of five team, and that would be something special for this program if they be. are able to get to a New Year's Six Bowl game, just to put the service academies on that type of – to give them that type of spotlight. Real quick before we go, uh, last week I was going to mention this, but I forgot you were at CU Hoops Media Day. Yeah. Um, and there was a lot of expectations on those two teams. Yeah, the, both teams have NCAA tournament hopes, yes. and both teams should make the NCAA tournament. Um in t- this is Tad Boyle's 14th year, and if they don't make the tournament this year, I think this would be the first time in his tenure that it might get quite uncomfortable because they have all the pieces they need. They have veteran players, really good veteran players that have been around for a long time, like Tristan Silva, KJ Simpson, um, Luke O'Brien kind of showed up last year. Yep. They've got Eddie Lampkin, the transfer center, and obviously they've got Cody Williams, the five-star right. freshman. They've got who you get for one year. Uh, maybe Probably. T- you think, I think maybe two? I think two. I you think do two. think two. Okay. Yeah, Tad said last uh, at media day that's kind of a year to year thing with Cody, which we expected. But um, I think he's a two year. I think he's a two year guy. Even though this this class, this NBA draft class, is looking pretty weak for next yes. year, so he could be a top ten pick, and that might be intriguing enough. But um, I still think he's kind of a different. He's different than a lot of five star players and kind of um, his upbringing and things like that. So I think he might be a two year guy for them. But still. This is the year because I don't think Tristan Silva is going to come back for a fifth year. Yeah, he could with the COVID uh, year, but I don't think he will be coming back. So 
this is the year they have to get back to the tournament, probably win a game in the tournament. I think they're good enough to do that and maybe get to the 316 because um, – What were they picked in the Pac-12? Fifth? Uh, fourth or fifth, something or like fifth, that. The yeah. Pac-12 is going to be pretty good this okay, year. Yeah. Um, USC is going has loaded up with some freshmen, not just Barney James, but Isaiah Collier as well. Um, UCLA is going to be good, like they they usually are. Arizona is going to be really good, like they usually are. Um, and I think CU is kind of right behind that group right there. So we'll see. Um, should be a great final year of Pac-12 hoops as well. If we talk about the the great year of uh, Pac-12 football, so. And on the women's side, it's kind of the same thing. You know, they've got everybody back basically yep. from last year's team that made the Sweet 16. They've added a couple of key transfers. So, up and up for JR Payne and company. That program has uh, been really impressive to watch the last couple of years. And I think um, they'll do really well in the Big 12 when they go there. And they start next week, right? Or yeah. pretty close? In the- uh, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I think it's about two weeks away. Yeah, yeah, I think they have an exhibition I thought I saw next week. Yeah. What do they do? So, yeah. Exciting times. Hoops is on the horizon. We'll be talking about that at you know, some point too when college football winds down. So, all right, Tyler, what do you want to plug? Uh, yeah, I'm all, so I'll be at CU UCLA this week. You, you can, I'll have all my usual preview content for that game. Um, my college football insider this week, I'm going to be doing it on Down Holker, who I talked about earlier, the Rams tight end, who um, might be the favorite to win the Mackey Award this year, and that would give CSU the Mackey winner for the second time in three years, obviously with Trey McBride, who uh, – Seems to be breaking into a starting spot for the Cardinals now. He yeah. seems to be uh, getting some more playing time for them, so that's good for him. Good to see. Um, I'll have a conversation with him for that. Um, just about, you know, maybe tight end you becoming up at CSU. <laughs> uh, we'll, maybe we'll start seeing that in the next couple of years. But um, so I'll have that, and then I'll have some more preview coverage for CSU Air Force. But you know, our colleague Brent Brigham will have full yep. coverage from that game in Fort Collins. Like I said, I'll be in LA at the Rose Bowl. Um, so we'll have plenty of coverage from both big games this weekend. All right. Make sure to go to denvergazette.com and check out all of our coverage of college. And, you know, every pro team's going now except for the Rockies. So we got that going as well. And make sure to subscribe to this podcast on Apple or Spotify. And, Tyler, we will catch up next week. Thanks, Chris. Thank you for listening to the Denver Gazette podcast. Make sure to visit denvergazette.com for all your local news on Broncos, Rockies, Avalanche, Nuggets, and much, much more. We'll talk to you next time.